Hello everyone and welcome to The Kickabout. A crazy weekend of Premier League action is followed up with Man City being very naughty boys. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. Everyone and welcome to episode 116 of the Kickabout. Boy, oh boy, have we got an action-packed show for you tonight because everybody seems to have left everything to a Monday just before the podcast is recorded, which is very, very nice of them. But before we get into a packed show, we'll start as always with this. Damn the stat, man! All right, so I've got two this week. One, Ooh. one. Of- one is the question, okay. and then one I'll just read out. And one is the answer. No. Yes. <laughs> um, so the question is, of the 98 teams in Europe's big five leagues this season, only one side averaged fewer than one change to their starting 11 per game. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, only one team in Europe's top five leagues has averaged... Less than one change per, per game. game yeah. Wow. Okay. It's not Forest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Chelsea. Yeah. Um, right. And then the one that I just thought was quite interesting was Nicola Teta is the first Arsenal manager to win Premier League Manager of the Month three times in one season. He has now won the award five times in total, more than Jose Mourinho. Wow. With mm. four. How is that possible? Mourinho won two... two uh... Two Premier League titles, did he not? Was it two? Yeah, two Premier League titles mm. with Chelsea. Sort of like Cups and bits manager, and pieces. <laughs> yeah, LMA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Poor old Jose. I know. I know, I know how you feel, pal. We like the underdogs. <laughs> I've also got four. Me, me <laughs> four now. You've yeah. got fucking hell. Just ridiculous. Um, and talking of LMA, one final plug for that. We are doing our live stream on Friday this week on the 10th. Um, should be a great laugh. Me and Dan have got a couple of bits and pieces to f- finalise in terms of plans. Um, but there is a ton to play for in this mm. final episode. Both of us chasing top four. We're playing each other yeah. in the, in this episode as well. And of Champions course, you've still got the Champions League, League going on, whether you can... Turn, was it 2-1? Two, 2-1, one. Two, one, yeah. wasn't it? You see if you can overturn that. And uh, yeah, should be a lot of fun. And there'll be plenty of drinking and banter along the way. Right, well, um, let's... Um, obviously, we'll pick up your stat later on. Let's get into the chat. Now, we're going to start with sort of the big news that dropped earlier today, which is this... Um, uh, the charge levied against Man City from the Premier League to do with the financial fair play. Apparently, a four-year investigation has concluded and over a 100 charges have been brought down against Man City, um, ranging or spanning back, I think, to 2009, 2010 season, yeah. um, up to, you know, like, fairly present day, a couple of years, within the last few years, I think. Um, sorry, I've literally just popped up on Sky Sports News on the screen. Between 2009 and 2018, there you go, I was fairly close. Um there's a ton of bits and pieces. I can literally just read off what's on the screen right now, <laughs> couldn't I? Make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're not going to go into the really deep legal stuff here because frankly, that's a bit above my head and mm. I don't know, I dare say it might be above your, yours as well. I agree. Um, but obviously the implications of this are fairly significant, would you would you say? I mean, this is, is this arguably the, the biggest test of FFP in terms to, you know, where it's, um, how do I put this? 
whether or not this is actually something that they're going to enforce because we've seen numerous occasions of where people have got off. Mm. Surely this well, time... City got off before, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so surely this is the biggest test of FFP now because if they don't... If, if, if City are charged properly with this and found guilty and they get away with a meaningless fine, surely FFP is done. Mm. Well, I mean, Juventus just got 15 points deducted, so I feel like they've got to take a look at that and at least match it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of the ramifications um, across now. Now, we, we saw a... Um, I'm just going to bring up the, the tweet here on, on my computer here. So Tarek Panja on, on Twitter, um, he did a, a quite a long thread about the implications of this and effectively tried to um, to dumb it down to language that the, the, <laughs> the average person can understand. And he likened it um, to... Uh, the Carlos Tevez saga with West Ham. Now, he has sort of said that this is the nearest equivalence and this really isn't that equivalent, the, the two here. But in terms of the impact, Carlos Tevez for West Ham, of course, he played only for West Ham for a year, but in reality, it was only six months because he didn't really play in the first half of the season. He kept us up at the expense of Sheffield United and we got a £30 million fine as a result of that, which to a club like West Ham at the time, that's a lot of fucking money. Ten years ago as well. Yeah, so ten years ago, exactly. Yeah, so that's a lot of money for half a season and one team being affected. Now we're talking about the thick end of a decade here of Man City winning Premier Leagues, winning loads of domestic trophies. The implications here of, of other teams looking at this and thinking, well, if you've been breaching rules knowingly for so long, you've been negatively impacting our ability to compete because you've been effectively cheating. Mm. This could spiral massively here. This could be like a domino effect. Um, Pete, how do you sort of say, I know this is a long time coming, but how do you see this one kind of playing out over time do you think this is going to become very very messy well I mean you got a, a like, like you said it's the whole legal side of it it's very confusing to the normal person but you know we've seen it before with them where they were found not guilty and then they were still fined which you know to the normal person that thinks well we've just paid them off yeah the full Prince I Andrew we, we've seen so many situations with financial fair play where it's just one or two rules broken and it's gone from like Chelsea, from a transfer ban to other teams, mainly in the EFL, where they get expelled from the league or, mm. or something on the lines of that. But the, from what they've been accused of, as far as I'm aware, beats all of that, hands down, 10 times, 100 times over. So from my opinion of it, expulsion from the league right down to League Two. Realistically, a fine, possibly a points deduction. Mm. Now, of course, the points deduction, should that happen, only affects the current season. Now, the chances of this being dealt with within the next couple of months is next to zero. Yeah. So, at best, you're looking at next season. Now, is is 15 points really a big enough deduction for this one? If we go along the lines of Juventus and some of the stuff down in before, like administration is 12. Like, if you're in a like, football well, it depend, league, was it? it depends at what stage of administration you're in. Right, okay. So, I mean, I'm just trying to sort of like ratify my head about, you know, other points deductions for other various Well, I mean, at the things. end of the day, they've benefited for over a decade now. Yeah. Which is what, what take, won, ta taking really. a title away from United on goal difference, yeah. taking a few titles away from Liverpool on points and goal difference. Yeah, and by points, we're talking like a point. We're, we're talking European places, cup finals. Yeah, and I guess, it, again, thinking about how it could spiral, uh, European stuff, how many teams that could have got Europe and benefited from the insane sure, revenue yeah. that that brings. Yeah. And also the, the TV money that which, finishing high in the Premier League brings which, as well. Yeah, which is sort of like last year when we were talking about Darbury 
Darby. Darby. Dar- Darby <laughs> in like Middlesbrough. Yeah. Trying to just sue them and the other teams just because they got um they they didn't get a, a playoff place. Mm-hmm. You know, the the money difference between a championship playoff place and title winning and Champions League is is huge. Yeah. So I mean Dan, I mean as a as a Man United fan, what are you hoping for? Um we get given a Premier League medal. <laughs> <laughs> um I think well, I mean Juventus got relegated to their equivalent of the championship when they sort of went through the wars with it. Rangers. Rangers obviously got put down to League Two. So I think I Juventus th- went lower than that, didn't they? Didn't they go down a couple of divisions a bit like Rangers did? I thought they just went down to Serie B. Uh, maybe. But I think I think they should, you know, they should get more than just a slap on the wrist, because you know, a fine is absolutely fuck all to see. Yeah, I've always thought that fining a team for breaking financial rules is a bit fucking stupid because yeah. the whole point of financial fair play is to stop these clubs running up ridiculous debts yeah. and operating at massive losses mm. to then go and find them 50 million is a bit of like well surely that just goes against the own point of, of these rules mm. in the first place so yeah I, I would like to see them very heavily hit for this mm-hmm. um, obviously they're going to be paying the best lawyers humanly known or humanly possible well, they'll get away with it I don't, I don't see how are. they can on this one. Like, if if it's if 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 all of these hundred charges are found to be legit, I mean, out outside of them making a deal somehow, um, and coming to a middle ground, which you know I'm sure, as we probably know, happens quite a lot in the law lawyer world. Um, I don't see how they can get away with anything other than fairly heavy penalties for this. Well, the, the difference is that the first time was UEFA. This one's the Premier League itself. Yeah. So there's there's a difference in that. I don't know what the legal side of it is. It was a Premier League were wet bags when it came to the Super League. They were, and let's not forget, as you said earlier, Pete, that City were the last ones to pull out of that mm. from the English club's point of view. They, they, pull- they said there were going to be massive sanctions and this, that, and the other, and they did fuck all about it. Yeah, probably they- because of the repercussions that over six what. Six teams in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, they were using it as a as a thinly veiled threat that they never realistically ever wanted to to enforce. They just wanted to get everyone back in the Premier League to to stop all of their fun, you know Premier League after the looking after themselves at the same time here, um, because you know this does bring the league into a bit of a disrepute. Because earlier this week, with the, the closure of the transfer window, we've had numerous um, people from other leagues suggesting that the Premier League should be seriously looked at because the Premier League spent something like. Is it 600, 800 million? <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, what am I saying? I think it must have been it must have been close to a billion then, whatever the number was. But yeah, whatever the number was, 800 million, billion, whatever it is, that's one transfer window. And it was more than every other of Europe's top five leagues well, combined. The Premier League is the Super League, which is why likes of like Real Madrid, Juventus, Barcelona all wanted to create a Super League because... You know, every club, every player, every manager knows that the Premier League is the league to be in. Yeah, and that's happened because of the, you know, fair play, incredible work that the Premier League have done in terms of marketing this around the world. Um, I mean, I heard um, somebody on Sky Sports News a few days ago when they were talking about this very story, basically saying that, you know, even the Carabao Cup, that's prime time viewing Mm. around most of the world. And, you know, that's, you know, that's not even necessarily on the prime Sky Sports channel over here. Mm. So, you, you know, the appeal is just so vast. And I think back to La Liga when I was younger. La Liga used to be on Sky Sports a lot. You know, La Liga, you know, the Classicos of the day when you had the really, you know, the prime Barcelona teams and Real Madrid mm. teams. That was amazing viewing. And now La Liga's not even on Sky Sports. I think it's yeah. on Channel 5, BT is it? Sports was it BT Sport? Yeah, yeah BT Sport. So, like Bundesliga's on, like, Channel 5 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so... So, yeah, I think that this does have an effect. The Premier League are looking after themselves to a point here. Um, 
they've got their own reputation to worry about, so that will be a concern to them. You made a point about the revenue side as well, which we were scratching our heads at. Well, yeah, so the... Um, I don't know which which body it was that came out with this, whether it was the same body that's now enforcing these sort of sanctions, if you like. But somebody came out with a revenue list of the top clubs in the world. Man City were the top revenue-earning country uh, club sorry, in, in the world, higher than Madrid, Barcelona, Man United, Liverpool, all these historically humongous clubs. Now, with the greatest of respect to Manchester City, you're, no, you're never going to convince me that they are a bigger club financially than any of those other ones because of revenue. So where does that revenue come from? Because whilst we all joke about it, Man City struggled to fill their own stadium. Yeah. Most and of they, the time. They, they were only formed like 10 years ago. That's such an unnecessary dig. I'm I love joking, it. but they, you know, they were really like, they weren't this world renowned team no. until. This and let's not forget, they've not won a European cup yet. Um, since this all started, which has been the main aim, right? I know they've won, had a, a huge amount of success domestically, but there's no way you can do it. And of course, Pete, you were saying earlier about some of the stuff that was going on abroad with these this yeah, discrepancies. All, all their sponsorships. So they've been apparently appointing these sponsorships, getting deals with them, and it's just a, a building in Saudi Arabia with absolutely no one there <laughs> and no management team or anything. It's literally, And there was one, there was actually a letterbox in London as well they worked out of. Right. A letterbox, and they were getting revenue and sponsorship deals from a letterbox in London. Yeah, so it's it's the, the sort of football equivalent of having like offshore tax havens in the Cayman Islands. It's just like it's just a business registered address that you set your company up and registered it to. But in real, realism terms, it's not used for that purpose. At Telling all. me a fucking letterbox is richer than me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, it's. It's uh, this is going to drag on and on. I think the, um, the there could be a huge domino effect with this. I think that if if the other big clubs um, in uh, in England and maybe even some of the clubs who were sort of dancing around that top six number might even fancy themselves, you know, like just as an example, I just use West Ham because I know it. West Ham were one game away from getting into the Champions League the other season. You know, who's to say that West Ham don't feel they may have a case if Man City have been knowingly cheating that maybe that could have, you know, if Man City weren't up there having spent all the money they did, maybe yeah. we could have been there. Well, Just yeah. as an example. that That's like what Middlesbrough done with Derby. So. Yeah. I don't know how much legs that will have, but there are certainly other teams in the in the, mm. in that sort of top six bracket well, who certainly the, have a I case. I imagine a lot of the teams will be going gun-ho. They, they will circle like sharks around yeah. City, even if a stretch of information comes out. The only issue for this is that it's all going to be done in private. Yes. So none, none of it's going to come out. So we as There'll the public be a lot of handoffs and payoffs and stuff like that, I imagine. Yeah. Um, we, 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 or as you say, Pete, we're not going to be able to see a, a lot of this until it gets finalised and done. We understand it. <laughs> Probably not. Um, we'll unfortunately rely on people like Tarek Padja to actually put it in language mm. terms for the rest of the world to understand. Um, but no, make no mistake about it, this is you know, don't think that this isn't huge because it is. The ramifications of this mm. have far-reaching consequences across all, all of football, not just in, in England. Um, so, yeah, this um, this could be interesting to uh, to watch, but it's just a shame we're probably not going to find out, certainly not going to find out this season. No. Um, so who knows when. Um, right, let's talk about the actual game itself because it was a we had a, a crazy weekend of Premier League football in terms of the results that, um, that, panned, uh, that panned out. Um, we'll start with the game from yesterday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Man City had a golden opportunity to take advantage of Arsenal's surprise defeat mm. to Everton. Um, and for the fourth time in a row, they've gone to Tottenham Stadium and lost and not scored a goal. 
Um, that was going to be one of my facts. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, stuttering again. I mean, we, we talked about Arsenal and whether, you know, they would have hiccups. But we also said that Man City very much looked like a team at the moment that would also have hiccups. And yet again, we've seen a fairly toothless, apart from Mares hitting the bar, mm. I can't think of too many clear-cut chances that Man City created in this. No, I just... I was watching Match of the Day and I just sort of thought, it's so weird that they got rid of Cancelo. He he was one of those players that could find something, wasn't mm. he? You know, you think he was about one of their best player. I would have said like one of the best, if not the best, fullback in the world. Mm. I mean, there is something to be said. I mean, if you go back historically with United, Ferguson had a very tough love approach. If mm. you tried to, if you upset the boat, you were you were out. Mm. You know, he did it with numerous very high profile players, as we know. And if rumours are to be believed, that is what happened with Cancelo, is that he was basically acting like a little bitch mm. because he wasn't getting the playing time that he thought. And Guardiola was like, well, you know, it's, it's, not, it's nothing new, is it? It's not exactly like Guardiola's never shuffled the pack before. Um, and off he goes. But yeah, you're right. I mean, with De Bruyne on the bench as well. Yeah. I don't know if there was a fitness issue there, but, you know, there's not many people in the world who are better at unlocking defences than, than De Bruyne. So to leave him on the bench for as long as they did mm. felt odd as well. Do you think he... He has sort of given up in the league. It's so difficult. There's rumours that they're just focusing on the Champions League now. I mean, they're still in the FA Cup, obviously. I'm not sure I buy that because I think Man City have got the only squad deep enough where they can maintain maximum focus for both. Um, I don't think they ever really need to sort of adjust their priorities in such a way because of the depth of squad mm-hmm. they have. And especially as the Everton game, Arsenal game was the early kickoffs that would have already known the result. It was the day before, the day wasn't it? It was the day before. Yeah, yeah. Man City oh, yes. was yesterday. Yeah, of course it was, yeah. Um, it was a BT Sport put out three different um, papers. One in the morning saying, "Can Arsenal be true title contenders?" They lose, and then the end says after Man United win about them not being in the running. City then lose and go Arsenal given a lifeline. Are Man United in the title hunt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it just can't work it out at the minute, can we? I mean we we spend. Every week we sit here and we try and analyse what's going on and make sort of best-case predictions, and then all of a sudden weekends like this happen, which completely out of the blue. I mean, of all the teams I expected Arsenal to lose to, Everton was not one of them. No, not so. <clears throat> I mean, when you're putting your accumulators down, that's about as close to a banker as you're going to get. Yeah. Um, that's why you never do the early kick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, schoolboy stuff. Um, but what do you make about Haaland in this one then? Because, you know, like we've said, when, when they don't play to, to Haaland's strengths, really... They don't seem to get any goals. I mean, this was the first time this season he's not had a shot on goal. Mm. He didn't even have a touch in the box. No. Mm. Um, I was talking about this with somebody else, actually. It, to me, Haaland feels like he, he's cutting a frustrated figure, despite the goals, despite the, the runs and the hat-tricks and God knows what else. When you watch him play, if you watch his body language, he does cut quite a frustrated figure at times. Mm. And I just wonder whether he's not enjoying playing with his back to goal as much as he's having to with Man City. And when he was at Dortmund, the German league is different, right? You know, Dortmund were a slightly more counter-attacking team, so they would look for those gaps in behind and get highlight, which is why you saw all those highlight reels of him burning past yeah. people, scoring those sorts of goals. You don't get that at City because they keep the ball for so long for, in, and so well, you end up playing in the final third of your opponent's area and he doesn't have the space to operate. And mm. I... I know I've gone backwards and forwards and hard and I've, I've sort of openly sort of said to eat humble pie because of the goals he scored, but I still maintain that technically he's not a great player when you, when he's playing with his back to goal to link players in. He's not going to be a, 
a Harry Kane, for example, who can sort mm. of like hold that ball up, create those chances, play those intricate passes. He's very much a, I want the goal in front of me. I want to be running at people and I want to be scoring tappings, which is great because as you've seen, when it happens, he gets loads and loads of goals. But in games like this, you know, Spurs have effectively, what they've done is they've shown a blueprint of how to beat City, which we have seen once or twice before. Mm. Um, and I thought Spurs were good value for this, I have to say. What, what did you guys make of Spurs and, and this performance? Yeah, and Sack Conte, Heistelini. <laughs> have to mention Harry Kane's record thing as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it looked for all intents and purposes. Played it there by saying record thing. Yeah, record thing. Yeah, not, not like he's a bit, not like a, not like he's their new all-time record goal scorer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? That uh, sort of eighteen months ago, he was looking like he was on his way out of the club. He was trying to force a move through. And now all of a sudden, he's there, and rumours are he might sign a new contract. No, he's Genshin United, isn't he? Oh, is he? <laughs> which, is, which is your source? Trust me, bro. The sun. <laughs> um, which is about as good as trust me. <laughs> but no, I think... Um, I think Graham Sooners had this right in the in the after talk. He said that Spurs fans should be careful about getting carried away with this one because it's very easy to play against Man City when your style was already this style mm. with the sitting back and the counter-attacking football. It looks amazing against Man City because it's so effective. But the reason they've struggled all season against other teams is because you can't do that against yeah. teams like Bournemouth, yeah. Southampton or whoever else. So, you know, West Ham have got Spurs in, in uh, not, not next week, the week after, I think. Um, and West Ham play exactly the same way, so that has all the characteristics, all the characteristics, sorry, of one of the most boring Dull games game, yeah. known to mankind. So, yeah, um, but I, you know, fair play to Spurs; they're still in the hunt, they're still there or thereabouts, and the results went their way this weekend with only United winning in that top mm. bunch. So, how are we seeing this um, this top four picture as it currently stands? Well, obviously, we'll talk about some of the other games in a minute, but how do you see this um, this top four picture? Um, <coughs> excuse me I mean it, I think the top two are definitely sort of cemented um, in that in, order or is it just no, getting in there getting top they're four they're getting top four okay um, and then us I'm hoping if we can stop getting players sent off and injured <laughs> um, I think we should hopefully be fairly safe uh, Newcastle obviously you look at their form since the World Cup and they've they've not been losing but they've not been winning either um, and even when they have won, they've been sort of 1-0 last minute, sort of, um, I can't remember who was it they beat the other day that was like last minute. Brighton, wasn't it? Was it Brighton? Brighton. No, it was Bournemouth, know. wasn't it? Bournemouth, yeah, maybe Bournemouth. I can't remember yeah. it was, but it was like a Callum, they, the other team scored, it got ruled out, and then Callum Wilson went and scored on the other end, didn't he? So um, so Newcastle were looking, I don't know, not, not as good as they once were, even though they've still only, they've lost the least out of any team, which is quite interesting. Mm. Spurs, they're just very Spursy. Yeah. Um, and then well, look think, at that form. I mean, if that you know played played six, one three, lost three. If that's not Spursy form, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, and then Brighton and Brentford, I don't see them <laughs> f- sort of fighting into the top four, but definitely fighting for those Europa League place, places. It's mental that one of those might get Europe. Yeah, I hope Brighton <laughs> do actually. Um, because I think they deserve it. Like Brentford do. Brentford do as well. But I, I mean, think... if you're there, I mean, you know, you. I think if you're there in that position at this time of the season, I think you have to say they all deserve it. I yeah. mean, even Fulham. Yeah. I know they've had. I know they've played an extra game, but they're still two points off of Brighton to mm. save. Um, I mean, with the Chelsea changes Chelsea have made, I could see them once they start to gel. I could see them starting to move in the right direction. I mean, 
it's a big if right well, now. Well, they've got a it? lot of squad depth, like even though they're still in the Champions, and they're out of both cups other than the Champions League. Yeah, I I I feel like Chelsea. I don't know how much they're going to improve this year. I really don't. Mm. Michelle um, Felix looked very good in his first game, even though he only played like half hour. Yeah, I think the problem is is that we'll, we'll talk about them in more detail later. But I feel like the problem is with Chelsea is that I don't know how long it's going to take for Potter to understand what his best team is. Because, you know, if he was in his own mind getting somewhere close to it before January, that's now completely changed again because of all the extra signings that have now been brought mm-hmm. in. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, for me, I think I think you're right. I think in looking in that top four, you would say the top three are fairly nailed on. And then it's just a case of which one of the next two, possibly three of Brighton can go the distance and Brentford. I think Spurs get fourth. Yeah, I think Spurs. But yeah. even, you know... Even if Newcastle get sixth or seventh, I still think they've had an amazing season. And they're in a cup final. Yeah. Um, against Beans, United. You know, I think they're way ahead of what their sort of schedule was in mm. terms of finishing in the league. Yeah. Um, was it last yeah. season they were fighting relegation still? Until how until Hal yeah. took over, yeah, and they went on that mental run when he, he came yeah. in in December time, I think it was, yeah. November, December and time. Most of this season they've been sat quite happily in third. So. Yeah, it's been very, very good. Um, right, let's move on. Let's talk about Manchester United against Crystal Palace. Um, we're going to talk about both teams here because there's stories to talk about on both sides of this of this fixture. Uh, we'll start with United because we're talking about that top end of the league. Um, as I said, a good result for United given the results around you at the weekend. Yes, yeah. um, I know you tongue-in-cheek sent me that message about being back in the title race and you were sort of joking, even though I thought you weren't. Um <laughs> I mean, is it beyond the realms of possibility? I mean, if Arsenal were to lose against yeah, Brentford next time out, which is not beyond the realms well, of possibility. And Arsenal playing City soon. Um, this weekend coming, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, let's 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 just paint a picture here. So Arsenal currently are uh, eight points ahead of you um, with a game in hand. If they draw with Brentford, mm-hmm. that's nine points. So that's three games. If Arsenal and Man City play each other twice, there's every chance that they could take a draw both mm-hmm. times there. Yeah. If you win your games now, all of a sudden you're going to be within five or six points. Yeah. Um, and that you're going to be breathing down their neck. So I don't think it's it's, it's doable. A lot of, a lot of things have to happen. My right? only thing is we're still in the we're in the Carabao Cup final, we're still in the FA Cup, we're still in the Europa League. Martial is injured every other week. You've so got to you've got to get rid of him. Yeah, we've just got Veghorst up front. Against the likes of Haaland and Ketier and Jesus. <laughs> um, and obviously now Casemiro is missing for three games, which isn't ideal. Um, I just don't think we've got the squad depth to challenge for the title. If we won the title, I think it would be pretty amazing. We'd never, hear, we'd never hear the end of it on this. It would probably be, it would probably we, mean the end of this podcast, if I'm being honest. We got no. smashed 4-0 by Brentford, like, first game of the season. And then we got smashed by Brighton, second game mm. of the season. <laughs> so then somehow win the title, I think, would be quite amazing. Yeah, it would. Um, I mean, let's talk about the game itself, because it what, what turned quite quickly from, you know, what was looking like a very routine victory mm. into a very tense finale because of that moment with Casemiro. Mm. Now... Interestingly, I've seen quite a range of opinions on this one. So Have I'm you keen... seen the different angles? I think I've seen all the angles, yes. Um, it hasn't changed my mind, I'll be honest. Um, I still think it's a red. I still think it's a red. Um, what do you What do you guys think? Not, Obviously, you don't not then. Chance. Not a chance. No, clear as day, not a red. No? Okay. It grabs him by the shirt to start with, not by the neck. And there's no like aggressiveness or sort of maliciousness. He's just sort of holding him out of the way, pretty much telling him not to get involved. And straight after that happened, they're hugging and laughing with each mm. other. It's mm. not like either of them have been going at each other. And if that's a red card, Schlupp 
like body checking Anthony into the advertising board has to be a red card. There's more like maliciousness and aggressiveness and intent in that than there is in Casemiro holding off Will yeah. Hughes. I mean, the angle, so the angles that I saw, the reason I say I haven't changed my mind, um, not just trying to be controversial, um, is that there was what the you got the one angle at the front, which I admit it does look like mm. the hands are not quite around the throat. It looks like they are more sort of top of the collar, if you like. Mm. But then there's another angle from behind the player where, to me, it looks like his hands are wrapped around the back of the neck. Mm. Now, I don't understand how at any point, if you're holding onto someone's collar, your fingers end up around the back of someone's throat. But I don't see how you can physically get your hands into a position where you're grabbing the collar, but still somehow, I mean, how do you do that? Is it? Like that, I, I don't know how you well, do it. In the still frame I saw to start with, it looks like he's full on choking him round the neck, and I was like, I don't. I mean, to be clear, I don't like, think he was properly trying to strangle the man out. I think he's, he's obviously just then, tried to grab and hold him or whatever. From one angle where you can clearly see him just full on holding the shirt, mm. and he's not got his neck whatsoever. Did it? I mean, just out of your interest, did that angle show the entire sequence start yeah, to finish yeah. from yeah, that angle? Start to finish, right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, you, I, maybe I haven't seen that the, one. And, the, and that's the problem. The referee only saw it from one angle, which mm. is where and, the front, and, a, and a clip yeah, as well. From the front, yeah. And they kept slowing and reversing like that bit where it looks like he's full on choking. Yeah. Like, I'd say that gets reinstated. You reckon? Yeah. I, d- I don't know if they'll overturn the referee. That's the annoying thing. I mean, they, ha- they have done it this season. The thing is, it was um, a straight red, though, for something that's. That's the thing, it's three game ban because it's. It's huge um, for United. It's, what's, I don't know what they're classing I mean, even Jordan Ayew as well. Jordan Ayew like, stands yeah. through like three of the players and went for... <coughs> yeah, and he, he grabs won. Fred by the neck and shoves him back. Mm. So if anything, that's a six-match ban for him because that was twice as work, twice as bad mm. as what... Um, yeah, it's the, it's this the, is, this the, is the problem. It's the Jeffrey Schlapp thing that... Have you seen like, the, the, what he does to Anthony? Um, I have. Like the ball goes out of play and he full-on shut... And it, there's mm. a hill around Old Trafford that it's goes down the hill. reaction though, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what kicks it all off. And there's more, like, violent conduct in that than there is in what Casemiro does. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... I'm not sure either of them are particularly violent, if I'm being brutally honest. No, I, I, don't, think, th- I don't think any of them should have been... I think off. the Schlupp's one is one of those classic ones. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the one where Anthony sort of plays the pass and then he sort of follows through and connects with him after he's played the pass and sort of, like, body checks him off the pitch, right? That's that's mm. roughly what happened. Mm. Um I mean, but you the see ball that had already gone. Yeah, yeah. It's but, not like he was trying to get the ball. He knew you, what he was doing. But you see that quite a lot, right? When you know, when fullbacks have got the ball and they're about to ping it up the line, you see players come in at that sort of ninety degree angle trying mm. to block the ball. They have got their studs up. They run through people. I think it's just kind of one of those things that he's right by the edge of the pitch when he does it um, and ends up in the advertising hoardings. And let's be honest, these are footballers. He's probably made the most of it at the same time. However, you're right in what you say. In that, if you're giving red cards for effectively grabbing someone by the collar if that's what has happened and maybe I've not seen the entire sequence to see that um, then yeah you've got to ask yourself hang on a minute you know are we really giving out fair punishments here I guess my thing is like the referee didn't see it if you know it's different if the referee has straight away gone I've seen that that's a red card yeah like VAR have said you need to have a look at this but it's interesting that they've then not looked at AU AU yeah, and said he's done exactly the same thing. You need to look at that as well. Mm. Well, and the fact that he's barged through about three of them with his shoulder mm. by their like on their heads. Mm. He's not exactly the smallest of players. I do wish that when they go to the VAR, that they would show things in real time a bit more mm. often. Yeah, because, because in slow motion, everything it's so different. Yeah, everything is made to look worse when it's slow motion, um, and it is frustrating that referees. You know, they make so many... Every decision they make is based on real life and or real time. Mm. So then to then have 
the slowed down version I feel like is really odd. It works in some cases for things like handball. It works yeah. a bit better for that. But for, for judging aggressiveness and violent intent, slowing things down just makes no sense to me. And then who goes and scores for Crystal Palace? <laughs> Jeffrey Schlapp. <laughs> so that's why you, that's why he's got to be in his bonnet about it, isn't it? I lost a lot of FPL points. <laughs> yeah, so did I, actually. <laughs> Shaw and De Gea got me no points for that. Um, so, but anyway, um, obviously we, we've touched on United a little bit already tonight and about their progress under Ten Hag. And we touched on it in previous weeks. So we probably don't need to cover that again. Uh, but I do want to talk about Palace because um, a friend of the show, Lee, mentioned that uh, a friend of his is a Palace fan. And he sort of alerted us to the fact that Palace fans are actually not very happy with Vieira at all. And since that, since that sort of news came into us and we sort of like maybe started to look at things a bit differently, all of a sudden, you know, you look at Palace's form. They're one win in 10 now. Um, and Vieira is, you know... They're on a one-way trajectory at the moment. I mean, their, their form is 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 so bad now that they're actually only six points off of the relegation zone. Mm. You know, if this run doesn't stop, they are going to free fall and find themselves into a relegation picture, which realistically, five six games ago, they should they should be nowhere near. Mm. Um, so are Palace are Palace in trouble? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I couldn't watch the game because it was a three o'clock game, but I was listening to it on the radio, and up until we got the red card. It sounded like we were cruising. Yeah, it was to totally honest. comfortable. Yeah. One of the most one-sided games yeah. I've seen this season. I think, uh, obviously, Zaha being out, we, we all know the difference that he makes. The, the, the stats show that, that mm. when he's not playing, Palace are massively ineffective. Um, but, you know, he's leaving at the end of the season. You know, that there's I personally, I don't see him signing a new contract at the end of this season. But didn't didn't some, someone was saying that Zaha was the issue? couple of weeks ago. Well, yeah, but that's what I mean. So, you know, when he's gone, they're going to have to address it, right? Mm. You can't keep relying on him all the time. And then when he's injured, go, oh, shit, what do we do now? This storm is coming. If he leaves at the end of the season, you're, you're going to have to face that up. Yeah. So, you know, does does Vieira, is, is he the next manager that potentially could face the chop? I don't think he's next on the chopping ball because Palace aren't really in danger. I don't think Palace are in danger of being sucked into the relegation. You don't? Nah. No. I mean, I'm far off. I don't know. Six points off Everton. Yeah, I don't think... I think those teams down there are all going to be battling each other to worry about Palace, to be honest. Because Palace will pick up points against the likes of Southampton, etc. Well, every, everybody Everyone will. <laughs> um, but no, I think... I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we you know, we'll, we'll talk about, obviously, Jesse March's departure and, and Southampton's issues. Um, but if the fans begin to turn, often that is enough. And I think we saw that to a point with Leeds. I mean, there, we, we, we suspect there's other reasons which we'll get into later. But if the fans turn, that can often force the board's hand. Um, so depending on how the uh, the fans react to Vieira, you know, if we take a uh, a quick look at their um, their upcoming fixtures. So they've got Brighton next. That's not going to be easy. Then Brentford. Mm. That's not going to be easy. Then they've got Liverpool, which will be easy. Um, <laughs> on Sky Sports. On Sky Sports, yeah. Um, and Palace are a bit of a bogey team for Liverpool even before this shit mm. form for Liverpool. Um, and then they're into Villa, who you know been pretty reasonable, but a bit indifferent yeah. the last couple of games. And then City and Arsenal, so they've got a very tough run of fixtures coming up. So mm. you were saying about not being dragged down. To me, if Everton, Leeds, and West Ham win one game and Palace lose their next couple, that's three three points, two points away from relegation. It's it's it will change at, very quickly. You look at all those fixtures and you think, oh, I can't see where they're going to get the points from. They will pick up points. Mm. There'll be. Just because Palace are like that, they can have a game where you're just like, oh, no, they got no chance. A bit like Everton Arsenal. I mean, if that literally goes to show that any team can be any team, their home form for me is crucial because away from home they've been so bad. Yeah. Um, if they can beat, I mean, as, as silly as it sounds, because how good Brighton have been, 
they could easily turn Brighton over uh, this weekend. Mm. Um, they could they could turn Liverpool over oh, yeah, absolutely. They could beat Liverpool, yeah. Um, and if you look at their fixtures towards the end of the season, that's where it gets really tasty because in in April onwards, Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, Everton, Wolves, West Ham, Spurs, Bournemouth, Fulham, and Forest. Yeah, so I mean that is a three, very very favourable. They've got all those relegation teams yeah. in, in a row. So. Yeah, if you look at that, then I guess yeah, the point probably lends towards you, Dan, is that they'll probably be okay. But what they don't want to do is get themselves into that into the relegation battle before they hit those yeah. fixtures, yeah. where all of a sudden all of those fixtures have more implications for yeah. them. Um, that'll be sort of the biggest issue, big issue there. Um, right, uh, how are we doing for time? Right, we are going to um, take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a couple more games to talk about, and then we are going to have a trial run of a new quiz with Pete. We'll see you in a minute. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show and um, we've got a couple more Premier League games to go through before we talk about some more managerial casualties in the Premier League. Uh, we are going to start at the game at Goodison. Um, Sean, Dye- <laughs> Sean Dyche effect. Um, it's um, quite astonishing sometimes when new managers come in and how they can just get a bounce. Um I mean, Penny for Frank Lampard's thoughts, because let's be honest, if Frank Lampard was in charge, I don't think there's many people who would believe that that result would be the same. Mm. Um, But it's amazing, isn't it? When a new manager comes in, even with such a short turnaround in between games, and you get that kind of reaction out of them. I mean, they weren't, it wasn't pretty, but it was very, very effective. And they stifled Arsenal and got the job done. It's a huge result for Everton. Mm. Um, I mean... Is it one of those ones where you know it's sort of easy to get yourself up for a game like Arsenal, but obviously the more tougher challenges, as stupid as that sounds, are to come? Um, well, I think it helped that it was at Goodison. Um, new manager, obviously all the fans are sort of getting behind him and stuff, so I think that helped. Um, they still had the protests and the the, um, the owners didn't turn up again. Um, but, I mean, it's a hell of a way to start, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the best things about having Sean Dyche in the Premier League is you get interviews like the one he gave after the game. Did you guys uh, see this? So he was... Um, effectively, he gave the answer that all football fans want managers to give when they're asked this question. He was basically asked, um, was you know what was your plan going into this game? He was like, uh, well, our plan was to um, stop Arsenal from scoring and, um, and score ourselves. <laughs> and he just left it at that. There was this sort of awkward silence where obviously the report was like, shit, <laughs> like, what do I do now? <laughs> Um, but no, I think you know he's 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 a manager you sort of hate to love and love to hate, isn't he? He's like the the, the old school Pulis Allardyce type manager. Um, and I, interestingly, I've seen a few posts online where they refer back to a interview that he did when he was on Monday Night Football, and he gave like a tactical masterclass. Mm. And he sort of everyone's almost changed their opinion on him a little bit, and actually thought, well, actually. Is he just being a genius because he's working within the limitations of his squad and his budget at Burnley and maybe given a bigger job and, and a better budget and a better crop of players, could he actually be a different manager? Because he talks very, very well and he comes across as somebody who would be very much willing to change his style if the conditions um, are appropriate to did do so. Did he get sacked by Burnley or did he just leave? He got he sacked. Was sacked. He did get sacked. Yeah, because there was a big uproar about it, wasn't mm-hmm. there? Um, I mean, obviously Burnley are doing extremely well, as we said during the break with the company there however yeah. many points clear they are, if Guardiola is to leave Man City, which he's sort of already mm. hinted that he might, um, 
then you know who's going to be next in line to go to a Man City, especially if they get a transfer ban, because it'll be like Lampard to Chelsea equivalent, won't mm. it? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that um, this might be a very shrewd appointment from Everton after all. I think we all sort of like, again, the hate to love, love to hate type thing is that you look down upon someone like Sean Dykes because of his reputation. But in reality, he is exactly what Everton needs right now. He's sort of taken like Sam, he's like Sam Ayers' predecessor now, isn't he? Yeah. The young Padawan is the young uh, apprentice turned Jedi Master now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I think Sean Dyche. <laughs> this this was all on Sean Dyche. I think he's obviously had the week to prepare for this game. He's analysed. He's, I mean, he's had he's had enough time to analyse teams. Even on um, the Sunday, he was at the game watching uh, Forest play. Uh, who are they playing? Leeds. Leeds. So he was even at that game. You know that the bloke doesn't. Sleep. He's, he's, he's constant football. To see Everton playing, or well, they didn't play great. No. But to see them playing that high press, giving Arsenal no time on the ball, Arsenal making mistakes, and Everton capitalising on that. You know, we've not seen that Everton all season, probably no. for the last two seasons now. Do you know what? I would genuinely love. I would have. I would have loved to have been. Uh, I'd love to have been a documentary made or a film made about like his first two days in charge. I would love to see, and this is not necessarily just for this, but also for other managers that come in and get a similar response. Just go in and just see what they say, what they do, how they operate, how they mm. talk to players, what they do in the training pitch. I would love to see that because mm. it's, you know, as, as much as it is funny, Frank Lampard must be looking at that and thinking, why the fuck did the players not work that hard for me? Now, could, there could be a million reasons as to why, but it's amazing that within a week, you've seen such a different version of Everton. But would you argue that that's probably down to his personality, though? Because if you had Frank Lampard come into your dressing room in that sort of turmoil that Everton are in, or Sean Dyche yeah. coming in and going, no fucking snoods, no gloves, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to train in shorts. Like he, he was saying that he's, he's banned all of that on the training sessions. You're going to train how you play in your shorts and shirts. Yeah, he turned up with shorts and T-shirts to his first day yeah, of training yeah. in me. Like, so it's that sort of conditions. mentality, really. It's like the bad teacher. You're going to, you're gonna if, if it's a nice teacher at school, you're going to piss around. If it's one of those strict teachers, you're listening. Yeah. And Sean Dyche is that strict teacher. Mm. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, the... I know it's only one game, and as we said before, it is is against a team like Arsenal where, as you say at home, Dan, it's easy to get yourself up for a game like that mm. because you kind of know what's coming. The real test for Everton will be when they play the teams around them. How do they how do they operate then? Do they play in the same way? Can they get those results um, against those other teams around them? Because that's going to be what's going to keep them in the league. I think on Liverpool soon. Uh, next, yeah, it's, uh, next, it's Monday Night yeah. Football, isn't it? Next, yeah, I think. I with all, with all that being said, I, I don't that, think that Everton can continue that run. But that's another big game, you know, against Liverpool, who are in turmoil at the moment. They should be targeting three that's points. That's another great game that yeah. they can, yeah, go and win potentially. Um, I mean, and, and actually being away at Liverpool is probably no better or worse than playing at home right mm. now because if they if Everton can get on top of that game and really frustrate Liverpool, the, the, the fans could turn. Exactly, the negative it. reaction of the home fans yeah. will probably have much as much of an effect as a positive reaction from the home fans mm. if Everton were playing at home. Mm. Um, and then after that, they've got Leeds, Villa, Forest. So they've got some big games. And then yeah. the next four games are huge for Everton. If they can pick up a couple of wins from those games, all of a sudden, things are looking very, very good for them. And confidence at this time of the season is huge. Mm -hmm. uh, and the momentum that that brings. Um, so, yeah, I guess I know it's early to say it. Um, do you think that this that Deitch is going to be enough to keep them up? It's enough to keep them up, but I don't, they're not going to get performances like that every week. 
Mm. They will they will die off because they're they're not going to be able to put that intensity out the whole for the rest of the season. No chance. Yep. Dan, I think they'll stay up. Yeah, um, just because I think they've got a squad that's capable. Um, but it'd be interesting to see who Leeds bring in as manager because I I think Leeds have got a decent squad as well. Yeah. So it depends what the other teams do around them, really. Okay. Um, and as far as Arsenal go, um, I mean, I piled my hands up here. I was probably one of the, um, you know, not necessarily Arsenal have got their both hands on the trophy, but I was certainly advocating them for being absolute favourites and, you know, that I didn't see them slipping up that many times. Um, as we said earlier, the other results this week have kind of bailed them out a little bit. Um but it's just a little reminder to Arsenal. This actually might be a very good result for Arsenal, given that they got away with it, mm. with the other results. This might be a very timely reminder for that Arsenal team, who, let's be honest, really threw away the top four last year. Um, so they need to be make, they need to make sure that they learn from this and realise that as, as good as they've been and is in, in, in a great position that they are, it can go like that. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys feel like there's... <sighs> I don't know, how, how do I put this? Do you think that this is going to be a... Will they get a positive reaction out of this or do you think the nerves are going to start kicking in now? I think they're very lucky that City also lost. Mm. I think if City had won and they'd moved, you know, sort of two or three points behind them, that would have really piled on the pressure. But the fact that City lost as well, I feel like Arteta would just sort of say, look, you know, this was a blip. We need mm. to get back on it. We need to start winning again. It's almost like a perfect storm type thing with, yeah. with Everson and their new manager. Um, yeah um, yeah. I, mean, I don't think there's much more to say about Arsenal to be honest I think obviously the next game for them is going to be very key they've got um, uh, Man City coming up twice and haven't they they've got Brentford next as we said that's going to be a very big game I think if it was at Brentford I could see difficulties yeah. but being at home even though Brentford went to City and turned them over um, I can see Arsenal enjoying a lot more of the ball and, and, and probably turning Brentford over. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. Brent, Brentford are having an incredible season themselves, so definitely don't write them off. Arteta's never won at Goodison Park. Has he not? Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. It's pretty funny how certain teams have these grounds or these teams that just mm. you never seem to get a result from. Well, Arsenal in general, yeah, they haven't won in the last four mm. games, have they? Goodison Park. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing record. I mean, I can sort of understand this, you know, the last couple of seasons where they've been very indifferent um, and Everton have been better I suppose yeah. maybe not last season um, so yeah alright well we'll move on because I don't think there's much to really talk about with Arsenal there I think it's there'll be more to talk about with Arsenal depending on how the next few results go if they get turned over again you know shit's going to get real really quick I mean Man United will be licking their lips right now yeah. if Arsenal lose to Brentford um, and so and so will City although they're you know in just as much of disarray as Arsenal potentially will be if they lose to Brentford um, right let's um, the final sort of team in that sort of top bracket was uh, the Newcastle West Ham game at the weekend um, a sort of quite entertaining well played out draw in the end um, I must admit after the first two minutes of the game when Newcastle <laughs> had a goal disallowed and then scored again I was Fearing the worst, I'll be honest. I thought this was going to be a very long 90 minutes, this. But fair play to West Ham. They got a grip on the game and they really stifled Newcastle. And I actually saw a lot of similarities in that Newcastle performance at the weekend that I saw in the Southampton game in midweek, where although Newcastle in the Southampton game were very comfortable, given the aggregate score, etc., I actually didn't think they were that good. I thought they were really poor. And Grimara's not playing made a massive difference, I think, because he's so crucial yeah. to them. But um, I felt West Ham were really good value for that draw. Um, I thought that Aguerd or Aguerd or mm, whatever you say, so I thought good. he was unreal for you, he, especially that tackle he made. Like, yeah, I mean, I, 
I thought Obviously, he injured himself there as well. Yeah, I was you were, fearing the worst. I thing. mean, if he hadn't made that tackle, you'd probably put your house on Wilson's yeah, floor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the difference he's made, I think before the Newcastle game, I think the, the five previous games that had been played by West Ham that he played in, we'd kept three clean sheets. I mean, that's including cup games, of course. Carabao, but, yeah, was, yeah, was um, debuting, didn't he? Yeah, so we beat uh, Brentford in the FA Cup 1-0, which he played in. We obviously beat Derby 2-0 in the, in the Carabao Cup. Sorry, FA Cup. Um, and he has made a massive difference, and he just looks so calm and composed on the ball as well. And I think he's been, you know, I just wonder where West Ham may well have been had he have been available from the start of the season and hadn't mm. got that massive ankle injury in, the, in pre-season. Um, now... I'm I'm absolutely for one minute. I'm just talking about West Ham for a second. I'm absolutely for no minutes here. Am I suggesting that David Moyes is suddenly now going to get West Ham playing again? However, I will say at the very least that West Ham have shown some signs of resilience in that we are making ourselves hard to beat again. Um, we do look better at the back. Um, I, st- I think we're looking more lively going forward. I don't think we're looking particularly dangerous at the moment. I think Antonio is is working harder, so is Bowen, so is Pakatar, so is Ben Rama. We're still not looking like a particularly dangerous team in the final third yet, but the signs are positive. Um, and I think that, again, Newcastle playing in that style that they do worked for West Ham because of the way we play. So it's positive. I, I'm, I'm, I'm more positive about West Ham than I was a few weeks ago, put it that way. Mm. I'm still not totally convinced that we're not still going to be in a relegation fight come the end of the season. Mm. Um, but getting a point against Newcastle, continuing what's been a good, I don't think we've actually lost in since I think six games, last six games, all competitions. Um, I think for West Ham, I think it was. It must be less than that. Well, you've had two cup two games, cup games. Maybe yeah, maybe maybe it's more than that, but um, or less than that. Sorry, but yeah. Either way, the form has changed a little bit, and we are now heading into a game with Chelsea, who are in disarray, and then Spurs the following week, where frankly you could roll a dice and see what sort of Spurs you're going to get. So if we pick up some points there, things are looking a lot better, um, and maybe finally we can start looking up the table. And of course, we've got Europe coming back, mm. and we are still very much in the Conference League. And if we can get some favourable draws, shall we say, and pick up wins there and maybe score a few goals, that could have a massive positive impact on our Premier League form. So yeah, fingers crossed. Things are looking better, but still, maybe, how do I put this, uh, cautious optimism? Is that yeah. is that the phrase? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and for Newcastle... Um, I was, I was talking to Shearer about this actually. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with Newcastle in their um in their play. The, their reliance on Gramares seems to be more than I actually originally thought. And despite the fact that I thought Jolinton had a very very good game, his dive was fucking embarrassing. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> um, do they have a do they have a goal scoring problem? This was brought up, I think, on Match of the Day as well. I think yeah. they were Sky Sports. Um, sounds weird to say because they have scored a good number of goals. It's not like they've not. But over the last five or six weeks, it just feels like they're maybe just lacking the, the you know, to kill a game off. I think the World Cup, as I did say before the World Cup, that some teams would benefit and some teams would, um, well, what the other one, the opposite of benefit is. <laughs> Negatively be affected. Yeah. We'll, we'll say like that. Um, and Newcastle are one of those teams that have negatively been affected. To yeah. us. Um especially ever, someone like Almiron. Ever since I put that bet on for them to win the league, they've only won one match. <laughs> I'm the problem. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shearer. I'm also the problem because I've now got three Newcastle defenders in my team. Mm. Three? Sorry, two. I put, I put right. a second one in. I thought I put Pope in, but I didn't. I put De Gea in. I, think I thought this game was going to go totally differently because when you mentioned the other week, 
it was actually against um, Derby <laughs> when you were saying if we don't get on the front foot straight away or we're put on the back foot against Newcastle yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's going to go one way what happened they scored two goals in three minutes and well like, we were down the, we were down the pub after our game on Saturday yeah I noticed your dad turned the football off after about 30 minutes. oh did he <laughs> <laughs> well I had to leave because I was on a curfew with the uh, with with um, with Annabelle and um yeah, I literally, my dad shouted across the table to me, he went, West Ham are losing already. And I looked at my, like, the watch, and I was like, hey, we've only just fucking kicked off. And then I went on the Sky Sports app, saw that it had been chalked off, and I thought, oh, that's all right, then right, come on, dad, settle down. And then bling, I was like, you've got to be having a laugh. We literally can see this straight away. So yeah, I, I genuinely did fear the worst. I thought this is going to be a long afternoon. This is exactly the worst thing that could have happened. But in reality, actually, maybe it had the, the opposite effect, because if the game goes on long at nil-nil, then game plan A sticks with Moyes because we're doing the job, we're nil-nil. If you go down early, you know, sometimes like with England, mm. the other team doesn't know whether to stick or twist, but with West Ham, they have now no opportunity, no option but to play a little bit more, so mm. maybe that had an effect as well. I feel like Newcastle play for those 1-0 wins, to be honest. Part In what way? The, yeah. the, the, the tactics? When, the... I, when I went up to Manchester to watch them play us, like they were just, they were playing for the nil-nil draw. It was so boring and... Um, Crossy went to watch Palace in Newcastle the other week and he said it was one of the most boring games he's ever watched. Mm. Yeah, Shearer has um has his blinkers on when mm. I talk to him about that. He gets very uh-huh. he gets very defensive when I mention <laughs> that. Um but um anyway, um right, let's talk, let's finish off our Premier League talk. Um talking about a couple of managers, one of which who has now gone today. Uh Yank Lampard, as he's known by the Heat <laughs> fans, has given been given his marching orders today. Um and the Southampton manager, his name eludes me. Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. Eddie Jones' is rugby. Eddie Jones rugby. <laughs> he's been um, sacked as well. He's been saying he was sacked <laughs> earlier in the year. Um, yeah, Nathan Jones has apparently been given the backing of the board. Um, and despite the poor form, and gave a very peculiar interview um, mm-hmm. at the weekend, which we'll get into in a minute. But let's talk Leeds and Jesse March. Now, we've spoken on the podcast about Leeds and how they've always looked like an entertaining team. They've always looked quite good going forward. Defensively has been a problem. But maybe that's been masking the problem because they have only won four games all season. So is this really a surprise? Are we are we disappointed that Leeds have uh, have made this decision? Do you think there was you know dare I say it more time? I know it's it's dangerous saying that with twenty games gone and just outside the relegation zone. But could he have been given more time? Mm, it's tough. I mean, because uh, Pete said that I think you said they were. You thought they were going to go down. Yeah, I, I went Bournemouth, Southampton and then Leeds, as in from bottom to, to yeah. top getting ready. Whereas I sort of look at that Leeds team and I, I think they've got quite a good team to be honest. And especially, I mean, they brought in a lot of Americans, um, which is fine. I mean, our, you know, our manager's brought in a lot of Dutch players. Um, but the, the Ameri- like that McKenny they've just brought in, I thought was really good at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, I quite rate that ad. Is it Adam Aronson? Aronson, yeah. Um, Canato looks good. He's really good. Sinistera, I really rate. I think. But these are all attacking players. Yeah, attacking wise, I think they're really good. Defensively, they're probably questionable. Um, And Struck playing at left back. He's gone, isn't he? Didn't he go to the Didn't he go to the MLS? In January? Still there, isn't he? Who no, was the one who went to the MLS in, in January and got given an emotional yeah, send-off? one of the players did, but not strong. Was it not him? He okay. yesterday, I think. Fair enough. Um, he can't play that <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually, I took the opportunity to talk to a Leeds fan today, actually, but he posted on my Facebook timeline and said that, that, uh, that Jesse had gone and I sort of posted and said, you know, what next for Leeds? And he 
went with the the manager who's currently at Huddersfield. Uh, sorry, at uh, West Brom was his name. I'm not saying that name again. I can't remember. <laughs> Begins with C. He was yes. he was basically um, second in command to um, Bielsa when he was at Leeds. Um, he's done a good job at Huddersfield. He's doing a good job at West Brom. Carlos Corbran. That's the one. Um, and yeah, he he is seemingly the yeah, bookies' favourite right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean. I guess from a Leeds fan's point of view, you, you know, depending on how much he buys into that philosophy, do you want a third manager to come in and throw hell to, hell to the, uh, you know, open the floodgates effectively defensively when trying to get those goals? Mm. Um, well, that's interesting as a neutral. As a neutral, I'm sure it is. But if you're a Leeds fan, I can't imagine it is. Um, somebody did, I think somebody else in the comments on that particular Facebook post suggested Tuchel. I don't see that happening, I'll be honest. No, I don't think they have the funds for that either. No. Um, I mean, their, their scoring averages a mid-table team, like Aston Villa, Liverpool, mid-table sides. Yeah. But the goals conceded is what's affecting them. You know, we, we've had our conversations on the podcast and privately, you know, they, they are an exciting attacking team to watch, but defensively they are woeful. Yeah. And, and unless they can control that back line. But uh, like I said, my, my argument really is how do you find the balance between being a, a, an enjoyable, even throwing enjoyable out the window, being an attacking side but shutting up shop mm. when you've had Bielsa and Jesse March, which have implemented this enjoyable attacking football for the past three years. Yeah, but at the cost of defensive fragility. Yeah. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you look at that table and I'm looking at West Ham and Leeds there. Leeds have scored 26 goals and West Ham have only scored 18, which, by the way, is a fucking dreadful record. But they've got the same goal difference. Yeah. Um, and that sort of tells you, you know, the differences in the mentalities of the two teams. One is building from the back, being really sturdy. And the other one is going the other way. Um, I, 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 I want Leeds to stay up. I feel like they've got an exciting young team. I'd like to see them in the in the Premier League next year still. Um but I do worry for them that defensively, even with a new manager, whether a new manager can come in and make them sturdy enough defensively. Have they got the players to do that in the first place? With Everton, they've got good defensive players. They've got Tarkovsky, they've got Cody. These are very experienced Premier League defenders mm. who've all played, who've both played for England in, in various moments. Whereas Leeds don't have that level of experience and quality in defence for my for my taking. So do you see them getting out of this? Yeah. No. You do? Mm. At the cost of who? Do you think it's the three that are there or do you think somebody else is going to get sucked in? Yeah, West Ham. <laughs> How dare you? Um, I think uh, it's tough. I mean, I would have said Leicester. Really? Yeah, I think they're, they're a shambles. Course. I mean, they're only three points off. That That is the, the troubling thing. That When we were looking at this last time, I think Leeds were like 13th, 14th two weeks ago. Yeah, this is and true. And now, what, two, two weeks later, they're... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to put any money difference. on who's going to go down. Yeah, I mean... At Southampton Bournemouth at the moment. I mean, 12th to last is nine points. Yeah. Um. So you literally, as you say, it, one set of results in one weekend and that table has a completely different look and feel about it. So it could go down to a very last minute, you know, last three or four games where there's still six or seven teams that could go down. Mm. So it's going to be um, it's going to be a wild ride. One I'm not particularly well, happy you, to be riding on. Um, I think Southampton and Bournemouth. I don't see either of them getting out. Um, I said you had to stick hundred quid on one team. Hundred quid. You said Wolves, didn't you? Wolves or Everton? I yeah, I thought Wolves because I didn't think they'd score enough goals. 
I'm still not convinced. That, I know they just played Liverpool, but Liverpool really are giving, patchy, aren't they? Liverpool are giving out goals for fun right mm-hmm. now, so you can't use that as a measuring stick. Um, we're we're going to save Liverpool fans from talking about this tonight, but they were fucking woeful at the weekend. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Um, and I, I don't think you should read anything into that because I think that a better defensive unit, which is most teams in the Premier League right now, um, will be a lot better. I mean, they were given two of those goals by Liverpool, really. Um, the third goal was a well-worked goal. Don't get me wrong, but the first two were dreadful. Mm. So I don't think Wolves were out of this at all. I don't think... I think Leicester will be fine. I think that attacking-wise, I think the, the the goals they score will be enough to get them out. I know they concede a lot as well. Obviously, winning 4-2 at the weekend against Villa... I think they'll get out of it. I think they've got enough in them to get out. Um, I genuinely, I'm not saying they'll get relegated, but I think Palace are going to be a lot closer to that relegation zone than maybe you think. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get dragged into this. With that, depending, how long is Zahar out for? Not, not sure. Not that. I think like a month, maybe. Right. Um, so I think they could end up getting dragged into that. Um, they just, I mean, even when Zahar was there, I mean, Zahar's only missed the last two games. And they, you know, they only won one in the previous eight before that. So it's not like he is having a massive impact for them right now, anyway. Mm. So I think Palace are in a bit, in a bit of trouble. But if for that hundred pound right I now, completely evaded. No, I know. <laughs> you noticed that, did you? Um, for my hundred pounds, I will say. <laughs> I will say Everton. Wow. Pete Leeds. Leeds. And you were. Leicester. Leicester. Very out there. Well, I'm an outsider. <laughs> We're not going to touch on Forrest, are we, really? But, I mean, Keller Navas in goal. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was he very... booted in the face as well, didn't he? I find it quite amazing that Keller Navas actually accepted that deal in the first place. Well, he was second string to Donnarumma, isn't he? So? No, I know, but, I mean, this is a goal, you know, international goalkeeper with a lot of well, Champions League last, pedigree. Last big, he's like 37. I suppose he wants yeah, to play in the Premier League as well, doesn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. But no, last, fair play. Last like, money move. It's a Julio Cesar to QPR, isn't yeah. it? That, that's um, be like, last season, if I was to tell you that Navas would go to Nottingham Forest, <laughs> you would have said I'm like five seasons deep in FIFA or something. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to see Dean Henderson sulking on the bench now as well. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. assuming he's injured because he wasn't on the bench yeah, the weekend. he's injured at the moment. Right. I don't know how long for <laughs> I mean, Navas plays like that. Henderson ain't getting anywhere near mm. that first team. He United off before he went to to Forest. Love is he on loan? Yeah, he's got to go back to the tail between his <laughs> yeah, legs. That's what I mean. Oh, that's gonna be him and Lukaku on the same <laughs> flight back to their, <laughs> back to their teams. Old alien head, <laughs> back in the doors. <laughs> yeah, just walks in and goes, Ah, oh, we meet at last. <laughs> Dropped. <laughs> oh dear. Right, uh, and just finally, Southampton, um, Nathan Jones, uh, gave a very peculiar interview after the game of the weekend and then carried and then doubled down in a, in a full proper post match uh, conference where he. I don't really know how to describe it. I don't know whether he's throwing, you know, throwing the towel in. I don't know whether he's trying to deflect from his players and put it all on himself. Um, but he, if you if you sort of look at the words alone, he was sort of basically criticising his own abilities as a manager by basically saying that he didn't go in and stick to his principles and try to be, try to always pander to the Premier League players, and it hasn't worked. And now he said, right, that's it. It's you know, I'm changing as of now. It's a bit like the um, the proverbial "I'm going on a diet in January" type thing, isn't it? You know, like you've been eating kebabs for the last four months, but now now all of a sudden you've realised there's a problem. Um, so, do you think that they stick with Nathan Jones for much longer? I mean, the fans have almost—they've definitely turned. They were singing "You're sacked in the morning." You don't know what yeah. you're doing. A mate of mine's a Southampton fan, and he wasn't best pleased when they appointed him, and he's still not best pleased that he's still there. Mm, the trouble is, the longer you leave it, I mean, we've got. 17 games of the season left. 
the longer you leave it, the less time a new manager has to come in and do something. But who do you bring in right now? Like, who's available that would come into the Southampton job? Pochettino. <laughs> did, I, did you hear the same interview mm, on TalkSport no, that I had? Just... Oh, a fan rang in and said he said throw money at Pochettino and get him to come in for six months. Um, yeah, I don't know who else you would bring in. I mean, is there another Sean Dyche type manager out there they could bring in? I could bring Sam Allardyce out of retirement? Uh, I don't really know who else is available or would Wilder. take or would take a, a Wilder, I mean, not a bad shout. I suppose it depends really on the deal that Nathan Jones signed as well, because Southampton don't have the money at the moment to be to sack. sack a manager they've just hired. Yeah. I mean look look how long it took to, to sang sang. Sack. Sack. Hassan Hootle. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was the word I was gonna struggle with. <laughs> um no, you're right. I mean, and also you know, Southampton obviously went with Nathan Jones because they had this sort of maybe slightly different vision of how they wanted Southampton to play. Maybe they looked at Luton and thought, right, that's the blueprint we want to bring in. Mm. It's not working right now. Who knows whether it work in the future if he's given the time. But they might be playing championship football. Um, so, <laughs> so I guess maybe the Southampton fans have to ask themselves, bearing in mind how well he did at Luton, you know, at what point do they sort of, you know, I'm not suggesting they throw the town in right now. They're only three points off of the uh, the picture. But at some point they might have to think about next season if they do go down who's going to be in charge because they're going to want to bounce back straight away yeah I mean it's lucky that they're only three points off well and bad goal difference but I mean anything can happen yeah I mean Bournemouth and Southampton's goal difference could be massive come the end of the season because it is so tight goal difference is going to be so it's so important so I'm quite pleased that West Ham's is one of the better ones down there Bournemouth and Southampton are so far adrift goal difference wise mm-hmm. of everybody else that that's gonna ca- that could catch them out. Um, so yeah, be interesting to see. I mean, definitely keep an eye on Nathan Jones because he seems to have a bit of the clops about him, doesn't he? In terms of going on a sort of big, weird rant about things. Um, They're one of the highest spenders in this window as well. I think they were second. To, Southampton, to, yeah, to Chelsea. I think they spent like nearly eighty or sixty to eighty million on some mm. players. I think. Yeah, I mean, they brought in. I'm trying to think. They brought in Orsic. Um, I'm trying to think who else they brought in. Culture. No, he, he was early the in the season. season. Oh, you just did January. Ju- just the January oh. window, yeah. They spent like nearly 100 million on players. Mm. So, yeah, um, I think if you're a Southampton fan, you're pretty worried right now. They had, they've obviously had some good results in the cup, but it's just not worked out. And then you look at their fixtures next. Wolves next, massive. Yeah. Chelsea away, they should be targeting something from that, really. Yeah. Then Leeds, Leicester, um, United, Spurs, West Ham. So they've got, in the, so in the next couple of games anyway, they've got some key fixtures coming up where they need to get something. So, uh, right. Okay, well, um, we are now going to start to round out the show and we'll start with Dan's stat. Dan the stat, man. Of the 98 teams in Europe's big five leagues this season, only one side have averaged fewer than one change to their starting 11 per game. I'm going to go out on a limb and I actually might ha- I might know who this is. Is it Newcastle? No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Only reason, because I was talking with that very thing about Shearer, about how they sort of like, how how has had his set team almost all season and has not mm. really changed it. Um, well, I mean, I'm assuming it's a Premier League team. Yeah, I'm um, assuming Premier League. Bournemouth? No. Fulham? No. Nottingham Forest? No. <laughs> Imagine it was Forest. Um, Brentford? No. Mm. 
West Ham? No. I mean, you're whittling it down. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll get there eventually, Pete. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it was City, by any means. It's not United it's either. Uh, Arsenal? Yep. Is it? Really? 14 changes in 19. Mm. Well, I suppose only, yeah, the only changes they've really made have been enforced. Mm. Um, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Maybe there's a, maybe that might catch them out come the end of the season. I know they've, um, you know, they've not gone particularly deep in other domestic cups, but they're still in Europe, aren't they? So mm. maybe that will catch them out at the end of the season. Um, right. So we are going to move on then, ran out the show completely with a fresh start of Pete's quiz. Radio. New week, new quiz. Um, this one I've called Guess Who Are You? Guess Who Are You? Guess Who Are You? Is that because you can't say Guess Who for copyright reasons? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the idea of this one is I'm going to be thinking of a player. You can both ask me questions in turn. Um, and then we're going to be using buzzer. Unfortunately, your phone's just died, so yeah. you can just shout out. Or well, this is this is a, a test round this week, isn't yeah. it? So we can shout out the answers and get a, we'll get some. Rather than doing a new buzzer every week, we're going to find one that's going to be generic and that will run for the quiz. Because finding a new buzzer every week is going to get boring. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the the idea really is, you know, Dan and Chris are going to be asking me questions about this player. Just try and narrow down. Have to be yes or no questions, right? Yeah, yes or no, or I'll answer. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, so we will start with my first player. Your first player. Who would like to go first? Go on, Dan. Um, are they a Premier League player? No. Do you know what's going to be difficult for me just to say yes or no or don't know? Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to require a lot of research into yeah. the player each okay. week. Um, did they play at the World Cup? Yes. Are they a striker? No. Okay. Did they get to the quarterfinals or deeper in the World Cup? No. Okay. Do they play in the Italian league? No. Are they above the age of 30? No. They play in the Spanish league? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it good narrowing down? No, I was about to, I was about to guess. Then I would have made myself like a right arse if I'd have said that. Wow, I would have been impressed if you got it from practically nothing. Um, you said they're not a striker. Are they a defender? No. Are they a goalkeeper? No. Go to midfield then. <laughs> <laughs> um, do they play in the Premier League? No, I already asked. Oh, uh, sorry, French league then. No. They're playing the German, German League. Yes. Okay. I didn't. They got to the quarterfinals. Yeah, quarterfinals or beyond. Okay. Is it my guess? Mm. Um, <laughs> this gets to the point now where you start asking questions, but you've got to be careful because you don't want to give the other person the answer. Well, you can. I suppose I can shout out too. Yeah. So they haven't been in the Premier League. They're yeah, not, they're not over thirty. Yeah, they play in the German league and they're at the World Cup in midfield. In midfield, is it? I don't know what his first name is. Is it Musiala? 
Ja just Musiala. Jamal. Jamal Musiala. 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 Yeah. Love it. Well done. Right, player number two. Okie dokie. Ready when you are. Um, let's start with, are they a Premier League player? Yes. Um, are they bald? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going to go Brad Friedel. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are they still playing in the Premier League? Yes. Do they play for a top six team? Top six based on the league right now? Yeah. Based on the league right now? Yeah. No. So I see the Chelsea Liverpool then. <laughs> um, <coughs> um, are they... Uh, is their nationality English? Yes. Have they recently moved to the club? No. Is it Mason Mount? No. <laughs> Does that mean I now can't guess again until he's on? No, no, no. Okay. Are they above 30? Yes. Is it James Milner? No. Is it Jordan Henderson? Yes. <laughs> Get in. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> brutal 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 yeah, I like this game <laughs> right next player refresh your heads and go again uh, go on then your, your first guess get the image of um, um, Henderson out your head are they a forward yes Um. Are they still playing now? Yes. Are they the Premier League? No. Um, are they... I think... Do they play for a major European club? Yes. Just trying to be different with the questions. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Have they won a Champions League? Yes. The club or the player? The player. We're talking about the player. The right? player. Yeah. yeah. We're asking some serious knowledge from Pierre. Well, I guess both. Um, have they recently moved clubs? Yes. <laughs> Is it Robin Lewandowski? Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh. Fair. <laughs> I think I found my niche. Yeah. God, I better start thinking nice about one. a third, fourth. Yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> so big time, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right, that's that's three of them down. Do you want to go for another two or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go on. We'll do two more. We probably will when the quiz comes round. Would you reckon keep it to three? Keep it to a best of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. We'll do best of five tonight as cool. a little special. Okie dokie. Next player ready when you are. Play your heads and go again. Um, I don't want to be white one. Are they below the age of twenty-five? No. Are they below thirty? Yes. Um, are they are they an international player? Have they played for their country? Yes. Are they European? Yes. I mean, that doesn't narrow it down because that <laughs> still, you know, still encompasses all... Like, could have been like an African. Oh, I see, yeah, or Brazilian, whatever, yeah. Okay. Um... 
are they currently applying their trade in the Premier League? Yes. Are they in the top half of the table? Yes. Um, are they what you would class as an like how do I put this have they had uh, an informed good season would you say yeah I know that's quite subjective but are they someone you would put in your FPL <laughs> I mean that's even more subjective than mine <laughs> you're talking to someone that's placed 200 so. <laughs> yeah would people who are competent at the game put them in their FPL team um, not yes. necessarily right now but yeah you say yes yes and no okay wasted your question there Dan so it's not well, a player is it <laughs> yeah. um, have we established position no are they a defender? Yes. And he said they hadn't played for, they have played for international or not? Yeah, played for international in the Premier League between the ages of 25 and 29. And he's European. European, yeah. Are they English? No. Is it Raphael Varane? How are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I thought he was 29, isn't he? Yeah. Just about to turn 13. There's no foul play going on here. I just <laughs> want to put that out there, all right? All right, last one. That was strategically placed mirror behind you, but it was working brilliantly. <laughs> Ready when you are? Um, is it me? You can go. Doesn't make much difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will say um, you've sort of sort of like ripping a plaster off but then getting scabbed <laughs> yeah. are they a striker yes are they Premier League yes um, are they uh, do they play for a team in the bottom half of the Premier League yes bottom half Close down the tab with the table on it, so I can't even remember what was, <laughs> some of them in there. Um, does their club emblem have an animal on it? Yes, <laughs> that's best usually. I like that, it's but now one. I've got to think about which it's teams have got one. an animal on them in the bottom half of the league. Are they do we say, do we establish are they English? Yes, I think Dan's got this one. Can I shout out whenever? Yeah, if you get it, I'll be annoyed. <laughs> Is it Jamie Vardy? Yeah. <laughs> <I> can help. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that game next week. Yeah. Oh, so you do want to play that one, do you? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. We'll do, um, we'll do best of three in it for next week. That one doesn't count. That's a warm-up. And we'll start fresh for next week. We'll um, find out in 19 weeks' time. Yeah, warm-up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well there we go um, right everybody thank you very much for listening to the show the second half of the show is longer than the first as it always tends to be um, but we do appreciate your support just a last finally, uh, final reminder to check out our live stream on Friday night on Twitch we'll be live from about 8 o'clock um, playing the last series of our LMA which is available on YouTube if you want to catch up I'm about to release a sort of story of the season so far but we will do a recap on the Twitch stream uh, before we start just to sort of bring everyone roughly up to speed and of course make sure you tell everyone about this show how great it is make sure you review where you listen to it and uh, share it around social media so thank you very much everyone and we will see you all next week bye bye, bye.